Okay, well now, uh, grab your Bibles and let's go to Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, uh, uh, 6, I'm sorry, ch- chapter 6, and go to verse 7. We'll get there in a moment uh, as we continue our series, and I'm just going to take a few moments here this morning in the time we have left and, uh, and talk to you about something. So I love, I love documentaries, I love like real life things on podcasts and hearing about stuff like that, so I'm, I'm um, uh, one of my favorite, uh, it's not really a documentary, one of my favorite um, series on Netflix is is comedians in cars getting coffee. And I don't know if you've watched that with Jerry Seinfeld as he drives around. And on this season, he actually had Dana Carvey come on. And uh, they're sitting, they go and they have coffee. They're sitting at this booth. And Dana Carvey asked this question that Jerry had never been asked before. They basically say, when do you feel most loved? And it kind of stopped Jerry in his track. He's like, well, gosh, I guess when I'm sitting around with my family. And, and then it sort of goes back to Dana Carvey. And, and Dana Carvey says, you know what? There's a billion people in the world who know you, but only three people that can call me dad. There's something really special about being a father to children, about children having a relationship with their father. And yet sometimes those things are incredibly broken, Right? So I'm listening to this other podcast. It's called Crime Town. Maybe some of you are listening to it. And the first season is on uh, Providence, Rhode Island. And the fact that back in the 60s and 70s, Providence, Rhode Island was basically run by the New England mob and a man by the name of Raymond Patriarca, who turns out was sort of the patriarch of the uh, entire family and, and had all kinds of power. And, and in uh, one of the episodes, they interview two of his enforcers who became enforcers in his mafia family when they were young very young and and one of them fondly remembers like his his the fact that he didn't have any relationship with his earthly father but he said Raymond Patriarca this man who was this gang lord who was this mafia boss he said he was like a father to me in fact he says one day I went over to the coinomatic which is where the headquarters were for the mafia and I walked in and he said I'll never forgive it he gave me a hug and he said he was so good at that and he was so kind to me, and he said, and he, he, he treated me like a son. And then he said, I wish he was my father. There's something about like just having a father. Somebody actually asked Raymond Patriarca at one point, like, why did you, why did you go into a life of crime? He says, why does any boy who doesn't have a father do the things he does? Right? That is such an important part of our growing up. It's such an important part of our lives. It's such an emptiness in some of our souls. And this is why what I want to do is, is, is really go get really foundational. When we talk about meeting our maker, the first thing I want you to hear is that God is a father. In fact, this is one of the main ways the Bible is going to refer to him. God is not a collection of abstract qualities, right? We've talked about some amazing things about God. He's sovereign. He's He's supreme, he's omniscient, he's immutable. But underneath all of that, those can sound really abstract and I don't get it. And the way God wants you to put his ar- your arms around all of this is to understand that underneath all of it, he's a father. And this is how scripture is gonna talk from beginning to end. I mean, let me just give you a sampling. He says, Jeremiah 31, I'm a father to Israel. He calls them in Exodus 4.22, my firstborn son, He says that while Israel wandered in the wilderness, he carried them as a man carries his son, Deuteronomy chapter one. He disciplines his people as a man disciplines his son, Deuteronomy chapter eight. 
He cares for them, Psalm 103, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. When Jesus prays the great high priestly prayer in John 17, he prays to the Father over and over, Father this, Father that, Father this. And to make sure we don't think that, well, that only applies to Jesus, he says to his disciples, I'm ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. He says that what an earthly father can give you does not compare with what you know that God the Father will give. He says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Paul says that when you became a Christian, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into sin, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And when Jesus wants to teach us to pray, he says the first words out of his mouth, pray like this, our Father. Father, 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 that's the picture that scripture wants to leave you with. This is foundational, right? Some of you growing up would gather around a dinner table. You'd say, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Amen. Believe it or not, that's actually a pretty good theologically rich prayer if you'll stop and think about what you're saying. God is great. He is omniscient. He is supreme. He is sovereign. But what makes God good? He's a father. And so when Jesus, when he comes, right, he wants to teach us how to approach this father. This is, a, this is something, by the way, we, we can't think long and hard enough about. We should contemplate, we should think about the Father. John Calvin says this, we ought to contemplate God's fatherly love for us as a, a foreseeing, as a foreseeing and diligent father of the family. He shows his wonderful goodness toward us. And whenever we call God the creator of heaven and earth, let us at the same time bear in mind that we are indeed his children whom he has received into his faithful protection to nourish and to educate. So invited by the great sweetness of his beneficence and goodness, let us study to love and serve him with all our heart. To contemplate, to think. And this is exactly what Jesus is driving at when he says, when you pray, pray, start with our Father. So look at it with me. Go to, go to Matthew chapter six and look at verse seven. And let's just sort of frame this up because I want you to see something. Right in the midst of, of Jesus preaching what is called the Sermon on the Mount, he says this, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. So when Jesus says, when he wants to teach us to pray, not pray this prayer, but pray like this, he starts and ends with Father. That there is nothing more that you need to know than that God is a Father. 
And so let's just drill down on this. And I want us to look at, because I think prayer is such an obviously a massive part. We, this is part of what it means to be a Christian. But, but so much of that is how we approach the Father. And so let's talk about this. Let's talk about what that means. See, Christ wants us to pray. He wants us to communicate with God. He, he wants you to have conversations. He wants there to be a relationship. But in order to do that, God must be approachable. So Jesus says, look, don't pray like the pagans. Don't pray like Gentiles. We might even say, don't pray like religious folk pray. Well, what does he mean by that? He says, pray like this our father. See, what's the difference fundamentally between a Christian prayer and a pagan prayer? Just think about this for a moment. What is the difference between a Christian prayer and a pagan prayer? It's, the, it's fundamentally, it's answering the question, on what basis do you believe that God will answer you? See, why do you believe when you pray, if you pray, and, and why do you believe, if you believe, that God will actually hear and answer your prayers? And that's going to be answered in two different ways. It's going to answer whether you're praying a pagan prayer or whether you're praying a Christian prayer. See, the answer to that question, a, a pagan, a pagan's going to say, I think I'm heard on the basis of all these words that I pray, all these sort of religious phrases that I can stack up. And a Christian is going to say, I think I'm going to get my prayers answered because he's my father. See, what separates those two? A pagan understanding of God sees this prayer as transactional, right? That is that I'm going to pay God with fancy words, with lots of words, and then what God will do is pay me back by answering my prayers. And a Christian says, no, it's not transactional, it's relational, the basis upon which I'm not going to pile up my words, I'm going to stop before I do anything else and I'm going to remember that I'm going to my father. Why is it that my kids can come to me but your kids can't? Why is it that your kids can come to you but my kids can't? Why can they come to you with any sense of confidence? My kids don't come and say, Dad, sit down. I am going to try and convince you and pile words on to the point that you finally have to go, Uncle, I don't want to hear anymore. You get your answered prayer. No, the basis upon which my kids, your kids, approach you as a father, as a mother, is simply you're their father, you're their mother. I can come to you. I don't have to worry. See, most of us, what do we do? We come to prayer and we jump straight into our needs, don't we? Now, that's, that's understandable, right? Because a lot of us don't pray unless we have a need. So things are going bad financially for me. Things are going bad in my body and health. Things are going bad in a relationship. Oh God, I come straight to you and say, please help me. I need your help with a job. I need money. I need this relationship to be fixed. I need you to heal my body, right? We go straight to that place. And Jesus says, wait, 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 wait. 
hold on. Don't start there. Not, not because God doesn't hear you, but because there's something about you orienting, orienting your heart. Don't begin with you and your needs. Start with God and his love. Start with our Father. You're a Father. See, Christ is saying, stop and don't go any further until you get this settled in your mind that God is my Father. Listen to me, this is how all Christian prayer starts with an understanding that this sovereign, supreme, omniscient, unchangeable God is a father. Is a father. See, some of you go, man, I don't know how to pray. I don't know where to start. I don't know what to say. Because in your mind, you have this idea that prayer needs to sound a certain way. You have to ask, you gotta say certain these and thous. You gotta speak in like old English or something in order for God to really properly hear you. You have to have fancy and high sounding religious terminology. This is the only way God's gonna hear you. You have to write poetry, right? It's gotta be this, this exalted form of human language for God to hear you. No, you have to simply start with the fact that God is your father. Like, stop and think about this. See, instead of, instead of like going, I've got a pile on words, what if all you did was go, what would I say, what would I do if I really believe that God is a father? Try it sometime, actually. Try it before you even believe it. Try going, what would that sound like? God, you're a father. You love me. You care for me. See, it would change everything. So he says, start with our father. Don't move on to anything else until, until that's the one thing that's settled. And, and maybe, by the way, this is why he said our father. Because sometimes, isn't it true that I need you and you need me to remind me and get me there? I'm the youngest of five children. And sometimes, let's say I did something. I remember doing several things growing up that I thought my mom and dad were gonna be angry at me over. Now, having five older siblings, you can imagine, siblings aren't the most encouraging people in the world. And sometimes they leverage that just to torture you, right? Oh, yeah, you're right, Chris. They're gonna kill you. I mean, whatever, this is gonna be awful. Your life is over. But every once in a while, when they were feeling benevolent, they would say things like, Chris, come on. Like, really? This is dad we're talking about. He's not like that. He's your father. We need that, don't we? We need people around us to say that. So you see what Jesus is doing here. I'm not gonna go through this whole prayer. I just want you to see this. Before you go anywhere in prayer, get out of the transactional mindset. I've got a pile on words. Now listen, you and I have been in growth groups. You and I have been in prayer times when this is, I, I swear to you, this is exactly what people are doing. They just try to figure out how many words they can say. Somehow they think they're pulling the right levers if instead of having a 10-word prayer, instead of having a one-minute prayer, it turns into 15 minutes. You're like, come on, buddy. I think he gets the point. 
It's not the piling up of words that matters. What matters fundamentally underneath everything is he's a father. And he cares for you. Now, I get it. Father, for some of you, is not a good image. Like father, for some of you, is an image of abuse and neglect. And here's why Jesus says, pray to our father in heaven. Because he wants you to know right off the bat, he's not like earthly fathers. And he's sort of in a category all of his own among fatherhood, right? In this, in this category of fatherhood. I mean, so we could actually say that, that, they're, they're, that the best father on planet earth and the worst father on planet earth are, are, are microns apart in terms of their difference than the difference between the best father and the heavenly father. Like there's this little minutiae, you know, little tiny little separation between the worst and the best and there's billions of inches and miles of space between that best father and God our father. That's how good of a father he is. And if father for you brings up images, like I said, of abuse and neglect and hurt and pain and emotional trauma and all those things, here's what I can almost promise about you like the twisted relationship between this enforcer and Raymond Patriarcha saying, I wish he was my father. Every child wishes. Every child, oh, I wish. If you were an abused child, I long for a father that would not abuse me. I long for a father who would love me. I long for a father who would protect me and not harm me. I long for a father who would show concern and not neglect. Maybe it was a dad down the street. Maybe it was something of a fantasy in your mind to look and say, this is the kind, I want the dad who will put me on his lap and will sing to me and pray over me me and read to me and care for me and protect me and you could go on and on this was the father of your dreams even if your earthly father was the worst possible father and Jesus and scripture are saying the father of your dreams is real he exists and he longs to show you compassion cares for you. So this is what's going on. He's ferocious in his protection of you. He would never hurt you. He would never harm you. He would never abuse you. He knows your needs before you ask, the Bible says. He says you're more valuable and loved than anything else in this world. He doesn't love his car or hobby more than you. He doesn't love a mistress more than you. He doesn't love his comfort more than you. He doesn't love any. He says, this is the most valuable thing in the world to me is Christ and my people. And I'm their father. See, see, isn't it interesting that Christ didn't say, now when you pray, Pray like this, 
our creator, our king, our master, our friend. He says, say our father. Because this is where it all starts. This is Christian prayer. See, that's why I say try it. Imagine it to be true for the moment and see how it reorients your prayers. What would you say? How would you pray? It would change fundamentally your relationship with him. See, I know, I know some of you came here today with heavy hearts. Some of you came with knots in your stomach. Some of you came with a reality that you have to face that when you walk out the back doors are gonna punch you right in the face, right? It's gonna be like, there it is again. And you might have come to church if for no other reason to get this momentary time of spiritual and physical rest. But here's the amazing thing. Listen to me. If, if it only lasts here and it doesn't go with you out the door and it's not with you at work on Monday morning and it's not there in school tomorrow morning, then what's it worth? And this is why he's saying he's our father. He's a father who will get up in the morning with you when you don't feel like being up. He's a father who will go to school with you and walk into classrooms with you. He's a father who will be in meetings with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He's a father in the midst of the trials, the temptations that you're gonna face this week. He's a father when you don't know how to get something done financially. He's a father when you don't know where healing is gonna come from. God is a father. Always, not just here, just brief moments on a Sunday morning. He's a father. So Jesus says, put your hand over your mouth. Just momentarily, don't start by unloading your problems. Not because God's angry if you do that, but because you need this. Start with father, focus on that, flesh that out. Start with who God is, that he cares for you. Like a dearly loved child for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba. I was in Israel several years ago and you run around and you hear little children, Abba, 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 Daddy. That's God. It's amazing that this sovereign, supreme, omniscient, immutable God would say, call me father. See, hear him. Before you go into his presence, hear him saying to you, come here. Crawl up in my lap. Let me hold you. Let me hug you. Hear that I love you. Hear that you're my child. And then when you're ready, tell me what you need. Like you might find yourself staying right there because he's a father. Because he's saying to you, son, daughter, because of Jesus, you have all the privileges of sonship, daughterhood. That changes everything all because he's a father. See, everybody knows there's a God. 
Billions of people on planet Earth know that there's a God. But only some people, his people, because of Christ, can call him daddy, can call him father. Let's pray. Father, what a comfort that is to know that you are with us, that, that you are for us, that you are a God who will protect us and care for us and nurture us. That you are always looking out for our best interests. And Lord, I pray that that reality would sink deeply into our bones today. Let it, let it go beyond simply an intellectual thing and let it become something where the cry of our heart comes out of a place of being able to say, Our Father, we thank you. We thank you that as an earthly father shows compassion, it doesn't compare to the compassion shown by our Heavenly Father. That every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning. So we can pray our Father. But God, I pray there are people even in this room, I I don't know who they are, but I'm sure that in a room this size, there, there are people for whom you are not a father because Christ is not yet their brother. They have not put their hope, their faith, their trust in Jesus. That nobody comes to you, Father, unless they come through Jesus. And so I pray today would be the day when they stop, they, they, they come out of the realm of, of not having you of a father and they step into, step under, they're adopted with all the rights and privileges that come with that. And God, let that happen by faith this morning. Let people put their faith or hope in Jesus Christ, turn from their sin. trust in what Christ has already done for their salvation so that through him they can be adopted as sons and daughters and God I pray for those of us you are a father but God some for some reason we've lost sight of that and so prayers have become transactional prayers become us thinking we have to work really hard to pull certain levers and say certain words to get you to respond. Oh God, remind us you're a father. Some of us have forgotten the tenderness, the steadfast love, the graciousness, the mercy, the kindness, the goodness, the gentleness, the patience that is all demonstrated by you, that you long to show us compassion. That as a father carries his children, so the Lord carries us. Thank you, God. Pray we'd go out of here renewed in our love for you because of all that you are for us. You are gracious. You are so giving. You are so kind. And we worship you and thank you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.